You are now listening to the Photography Enthusiast Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Photography Enthusiast Podcast. As always, I'm your host Daniel Lee or Photos by DLWE. Today's topic will be called Full Frame Snobbery where I just sort of go over some APS-C related stuff and how my view on why I prefer full full frame has changed a little bit but hasn't changed at the same time thanks to some recent events that happened for me in the photography sense. So to get right into it as always my personal updates. Recently I went on a road trip for a long weekend, took a day off work just to do this. I applied for leave, didn't do a fake sick day just to clarify that. I'll probably go into it more detail, but I did take my Canon M5 as long, along with two lenses along with me rather than my full frame camera. Uh, as I said, I'll go into that because the main topic sort of thing. Otherwise, aside from that, release my posts on photos by DLWE.com, my regular blog post, trying to get back into the rhythm of that. Whether or not I'll have a lot of photos for the following one is another thing because uni work started to pick up back up again. And I just been in like a very lazy mood because of work and uni bit of a stressful time for both so because of that it's just more making me lazy again it's always up and down sort of thing balancing out but hopefully we can get everything on set and be good i've also been busy writing my review for the 35 millimeter f18 on sony so that has taken up quite a bit of time as well for that one i hope to have it done within the next few weeks but i won't put any exact time on it because there's a few more images i want to take to include in the review some more portrait orientated ones because I don't really have many portraits with that lens so once I get those then that review will be considered more sort of finished and finalized and ready to make. Now onto some news topics the first one of which is Tamron has unveiled the world's smallest telephoto zoom for the Sony E-mount which is a 70mm to 300mm f4.5 to f6.3 di3 rxd lens it's the world, apparently it's meant to be the world's smallest and lightest telephoto zoom for the Sony E-mount full frame um, system. What I've seen of photos and that does look pretty decent. It's 15 elements in 10 groups, including a low dispersion element. In terms of weight, it's only 545 grams, which is definitely very light. This is something I'd have to lie if I'd say I wasn't interested in. How much I'd use it, I feel like it's the kind of lens that you could sort of benefit from when you travel mostly. May not be something I would use day to day, but it's definitely something worth looking into and probably worth buying. Coming in at 550 USD, that is like a really, really good price. I'm sure it would be in a lot of people's kits. To me, I see this a bit more useful compared to the other lens that they released not long ago. Off the top of my head, I can't remember the focal length. It was one of those really long super zooms like 80 to 180 not 70 to 180 like 20 millimeters to 180 one of those super zoom ones those ones are always a bit more of a compromise on image quality whereas the main compromise for this would pretty much just be the aperture on the long end which is a bit slow but otherwise to me it looks like a really great and really compelling option especially for someone that wants something a bit cheaper now last week i did mention that the sony a7c was about to be announced that announcement did happen it was quite surprising when it comes to pricing so for those who haven't looked at it there are a few things about the a7c that don't quite match the a7 III in terms of body and pricing and all that kind of stuff so the shutter is limited to one four thousandth of a second and the magnification on the 
EVF is a bit lower compared to the A7 III and it also has a single card slot, not dual card slots. It also has the old menus and doesn't have the new menu that the A7 III has as well, which is another sort of disappointment. Now, all of this would be all well and good, so depending on the price of it as well. So in the US, the body only is going for $1,800 or $2,100 as part of the kit. So $1,800 doesn't seem bad since I think the A7 Mark III goes for around $1,999. So it does sort of come under it a bit. But here in Australia, this one was going for around $2,200, $2,300 around there. Whereas you can get a brand new A7 Mark III. No, sorry, not $2,300. 3000 like $3,400, $3,300, whereas the A7 Mark III was around $2,700, $2,800 AUD, and you can get on sale for even cheaper a lot of the time as well. To me, this camera should be priced lower. It should not be that high. It should be something that's like $2,400, $2,500. I don't think it should be priced at a higher price point than the A7 III. The only reason this will be priced higher is because when the A7 IV does come out, which a rumor said is going to happen the end of next year, like quarter four, 2022, um, one that is going to go up market so it's going to be even more expensive around 2500 us which would match the canon r6 which i do believe would likely happen if that does happen we can expect depends if covid's all over and done with by then hopefully it is prices might go back more down to normal but otherwise if they're not we could be looking at 4500 4300 aud just like the r6 which is huge amount and probably out of my budget even if i sold my a7 mark III, I'd have to pretty much contribute a full body worth just to get that. So I'd probably be something I would skip. The only thing I'd really, really want and would make me very tempted to upgrade would be that fully articulating screen. That one's like a system seller in a sense for me. I would happily stay with Sony. It's just that one thing that I really need upgraded. The EVF, yeah, it's low resolution, but I can make do. But the screen, same thing. But I just need it to articulate, fully articulate, especially when we travel. That's like a huge thing. The last piece of news that I'll briefly cover is that the Samyang AF35mm f1.8 has officially been announced as well. So if you look at photos of this lens, it is very small. It's only 210 grams. That is light, but you have to keep in mind the Sony one that I own is 280 grams. So it is a saving, but it's not like a massive, massive saving. It is $400 compared, 400 USD compared to 750 USD for the Sony one. So you do get some benefits over it. Whether or not the performance is as good, there's a few reviews that have been out from people such as Christopher Frost, which say that the Samyang supposedly beats their Sony that little bit in terms of sharpness across the frame. I believe it was, but you know, wait till we see more reviews and what the performance and the quality control on the Samyang will be like. You know, I wouldn't sell my sony for this lens but if i didn't have anything to begin with it may be something that i consider purchasing but yeah as i said that all comes down to if you have the lens or not and if you think it would actually be worth it or not which for me personally it's not i'd need something like a 3514 not another 18 so for now i guess they'll just sort of have to wait and see what happens with that lens how well it does and how popular it will be next we'll hop on to our main topic now i for one love full frame cameras even when I first got my APS-C Canon 550D, I was just pretty much focused and purely excited about getting to finally upgrade to full frame and have, you know, everything you hear about that full frame quality, that better ISO performance, larger pixels, better sharpness, better everything that everyone sort of hypes it up. But whether or not that was a true thing or not, you know, is a different story. I know when I first got my Canon 6D, which was my first full frame camera, just looking through that optical viewfinder, 
and seeing that larger viewfinder, feeling that better build, that was like a huge thing for me. Great moment, you know, personal moment. And in saying that, that was back in, I think, 2013, 2014, so a long time ago now. I've been using full-frame cameras for seven years now. I've also owned quite a few APS-C cameras during that time. The main one is the Canon EOS M5. That's been sort of like a backup camera for me. When I sold my original 6D waiting for the Canon 6D Mark II, that was my main body for about, I think, just under two months, maybe a little bit, yeah, over a month to two months. During that time, I actually questioned myself on if I even needed a full-frame body or another DSLR because I love the M5 that much and it worked with all my Canon lenses thanks to the adapter. Ultimately, I did end up going with the full-frame body again, which would be the 6D Mark II, then to the A7 Mark III. Since then, I've been trying to sell off a lot of APS-C gear because I had other Canon EFM bodies like the M3, which I did sell off. I was trying to sell the M5, but it got to the age where, I don't know, for me, it just wasn't worth selling it off because I, compared to how much I originally bought it for, especially, I'd lose quite a bit of money. So I just couldn't be bothered. I thought I'd just keep it, more embrace it, got more lenses for it, that sort of thing. So when it comes to why I originally went to go full frame and why I prefer it, it's Back when I used to be younger, I used to go out a lot at night. So I used to do a lot of nighttime shooting. Back then, having that better ISO, higher ISO performance meant a lot to me. So that's one of the main factors that made me want to switch. Even though I don't utilize the high ISO performance as much these days on a body like my A7 Mark III, it's still good to have and still good to know that I could just shoot at sort of high ISO, you know, 1600, 32, 6400 and not really have to worry about it. I remember when I first got my Canon 6D, I was so impressed by the high ISO performance that when I, you know, was using it, even if I didn't need to, I'd be shooting at ISO 800, 1600 just because I could, because it was so clean and I didn't have to worry about it, which wasn't the right thing to do. If you can go lower, you should go lower, which I do these days, but back then I didn't care. I was just like, 800, yeah, it's no issue. It's fine on this camera. Now, all this full frame talk, you're probably wondering, what does it have to do with APS-C? So... As I mentioned, I'm all about full frame, but recently I've just been thinking, well, since that trip, do I really even need a full frame camera? Now, I'll provide the reasons behind this. So what happened was we were going to Hunter Valley, Newcastle for our road trip for the long weekend. During this road trip, it was pretty much guaranteed it was going to rain quite a bit and we were going to sand dunes. So, you know, sand and electronics don't really match. I wasn't particularly keen about bringing my a7 Mark III because I don't want it to get damaged and also my girlfriend was like do not bring your camera I don't want to hear you complaining about it nearly getting damaged so decided you know what I probably won't take that many photos anyway because you know when you're traveling with family and that sort of stuff it's not really like as if you're going just to take photos it's more just very casual you're there at the time you try to take a shot sort of thing it's nothing very very dedicated that's why I was like, oh, just take, I'll just take the M5 my 22mm f2 and the 32mm f1.4 not a huge range, but I knew I wasn't going to be shooting much, so I didn't see the point. So we went on the trip. While I was there, you know, I didn't shoot a lot. I took some shots. The ones I did take, I'm happy with. To be honest, for me, I felt like it was all the same stuff. All the stuff we looked at was just mostly beaches, different coasts, that kind of stuff. We went Shao Bay for people who are familiar with it, Anna Bay for the um, sand dunes. And there was a few smaller places we stopped by on the way, like the entrance, that sort of thing. Now, for the shots I did take, I was actually really, really impressed with the camera. So, obviously, I've owned the M5 for a long time. I know what it can do. I know it can perform. I have the habit, and it's sort of a bad habit I've mentioned, of shooting at more shallow depth of fields for stuff I don't need to, in a way. But 
with all the shots I took, they were all just pretty much like I do when I'm traveling, more beach, you know, seascape kind of just nature sort of thing. Nothing that you would really need some crazy bokeh for. The only photo I took that was like super bokeh was one of when my girlfriend went to wine tasting, her holding a wine glass. I took a nice shot of that just sort of to show what that was. But then the rest of that day was just raining. So we, I didn't even touch the whole camera. The main point of this sort of whole thing was is that even though I've always been so attached to full frame, using this camera just made me think like, do I really need it? Like I've always sort of, I think got it in my head that bias that as the title says snobbery about full frame that you really really need full frame it's so much better originally when i used to do my super long exposures like five six minutes i would notice the difference between aps-c and full frame you would get less noise in comparison so in that sense there's still that sort of benefit there depending on what lens what focal length you're shooting with when you get to the telephoto focal lengths you won't really notice the difference in depth of field as much compared to like you know shooting wider focal lengths so for example if you're using a 24 millimeter f1.4 on full frame doing a half body shot you probably see a bit noticeable more bokeh on the full frame compared to if you're shooting at a 16 millimeter on a 1.5 crop like a sony body at 1.4 really comes down to what you shoot so if you're someone that shoots just pure landscapes product photography like the kind of stuff i like you probably don't need a full frame body you can get away with just that APS-C camera. If you're someone that does portraits and really relies on a shallow depth of field or low light shooting, the full frame would definitely benefit you. I've actually at the point where I feel like I want to buy another APS-C body, but there's nothing that I really want. Like I'd prefer to get a Sony one purely because I can use it with my full frame lenses, but at the same time, there's no Sony APS-C body I would like. Mainly one due to their price, and number two, none of them have fully articulating screens, which is what is a must for me now if I'm going to buy another body. If I had something that had the AF and the image quality of the A6400 but the fully articulating screen, all I'd need is the 16mm f1.4 from Sigma, which would be like a 24mm plus maybe the 56 1.4 from Sigma as well. Those two lenses, that would be a perfect small but very, very deadly traveling kit because I'd be able to take pretty much anything I need with those two. In saying that, you know, that body as A6400 itself at the moment on sale is about 1100 AUD. So it's not cheap for another APS-C body. And when you add the lenses, you're looking at 2200. For that price, you know, pre-COVID, I could have just easily bought another second A7 Mark III and use that with all my lenses and just get something light like my 35mm F1.8 or the 24GM. So the end of the question is like, you know, do I see myself ever going back to using APS-C only or more heavily relying on it. I think when it comes to my long exposures, that would be an issue as well as if I do travel and I want to shoot in low light, it's going to be another issue. I know when we were in San Francisco, a few restaurants where I took photos in, I was pushing like 12,816,000 on the A7 Mark III and even that was like a bit noisy, you know, quite noisy, obviously. So can you imagine on the APS-C, they have a lot more issues that. And also I do love my bokeh, my shallow depth of field. For stuff like Street photography, it's not going to be as nice in all honesty, but for something like product photography, still life that I can set it up and really control lighting, bokeh, everything, I wouldn't really be at much of a loss with that Sigma 56 1.4. I think if you're in a position where you own an APS-C camera and you don't know if it's worth going up to full frame, I think the number one consideration should be what you're going to gain from it and what your budget is. As I mentioned, if you're someone that does long, long exposures or needs that high ISO performance and that cleaner noise readout sort of thing, 
it's worth it for you, definitely. And I just don't like the crop factor on lenses as well. You know, having to not perform the same way as it does on a full frame sensor. For that, that's me personally. But at the same time, I know if I had to use just APS-C, it wouldn't limit me. I wouldn't be hated or give up photography or anything. I'd be able to make do, still come up with great images. So it really comes down to what you need, what you want sort of thing. If you, you know, your budget allows it, would I recommend APS-C over full frame? No, I'd say just go for the full frame to be honest. But that is me. I do prefer full frame at the end of the day. I do have a newfound respect in a way for APS-C again. I think using it and being forced to use in that sense and creating some beautiful images I'm really happy with with my APS-C camera, which I've done in Sydney anyway, even when I'm not traveling, sort of just made me humble a bit more again, which is what I'm constantly trying to do and not be so gear hungry. But who knows, I'll probably give me a few weeks and I'll be back to saying I wouldn't want to touch a full f- uh, crop sensor anymore, full frame only for me. But who knows what will change and what will happen in the future. Now, this concludes this episode. So thank you for listening. If you'd like to see tutorials, reviews, or find older episodes of this show, you can find it at tpepodcast.xyz. If you'd like to see my personal work, you can find me at photosbydlwe.com. All of these links will be in the show notes. Otherwise, you can find my links and everything from my website. If you did enjoy this episode, make sure to subscribe so you can be notified when we release a new episode every fortnight. Otherwise, thank you very much for listening and I hope you enjoyed it. Bye.